What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez-Peak. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's the Gen Z video game podcast, and I have a, I'm getting over a cold. Um, do I sound any different to you? You sound fine. So the, cool. Nathaniel's not in this week because Nathaniel is also bearing the brunt of a cold. It seems like two, two out of our three co-hosts have had some sort of ick. Yeah. Just that time of year. Anytime I get the ick anymore, I I just start like COVID testing myself, you know, yeah, especially since like that's uh, what you gotta do. I read a couple things that have said that whatever the current strain of COVID is, the the rapid tests that we've been using don't pick it up as early. So I like I've been taking to like the minute I develop symptoms, then I try to like stay back as much as possible. And then like three days after I've developed symptoms, then I test. And so I tested on like day three and day five. And I was like, no, nah, I guess this is just like a normal cold. It's <laughs> it's just like a normal annoying illness. It's not like the super yeah. debilitating annoying illness that could potentially fuck me up. <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to take it easy this week because uh, two thirds of us are, are down or slightly down. But there is a lot of news this week. Um just to kick us off, there was a huge layoff news today at Microsoft. Dude, this year, this year is already terrible. This it year sucks. is already yeah. terrible. Um, I just want to get it over with, yeah. to be honest. Okay, I was gonna ask if you wanted to start with good news or bad news, and I feel like yeah, let's, let's just, just rip the get fucking this one out off. here. Yeah. So Microsoft is a big company, like as a tech company, has announced that they are planning to lay off ten thousand people through the end of the current fiscal year. And they've started, obviously, they've already started laying people off. And uh, about 2,000 of those people have come from Microsoft's gaming division, including people in Activision Blizzard and Xbox. So you'll remember, uh, listeners might recall, that uh, Microsoft just recently spent $69 billion, billion with a B, dollars, to acquire Activision Blizzard and do that big merger. Uh but now they're laying off 5% of their staff. So bum, bum, ba, da. I, it, it's crazy how they always have the money to do these mergers, but not the money to pay their staff. Something about mergers. Adam Conover um, had a really great tweet that was like mergers. Like there's almost nothing good about mergers. Um, mm-hmm. It makes it causes layoffs because certain jobs become redundant. Um, yeah. It overall leads to less choice in the marketplace for consumers. And you're just popping off about how much mergers suck. And this one sucks too. This one just because, like, man, it like it spits in the face of so much of the optimism of like, oh my god, Bobby Kotick sucks so much. Now Phil Spencer is going to be the boss, and he's going to be so much better. And like, I, I don't know. It's it just sucks so much. You know, like. It's the thing we were talking about last week with layoffs and shit, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, we're at this point, and it's funny you said that, like, this year already sucks, because I feel that way about a lot of things. It's like, uh, but it's like the bad things happening in 2023 don't end just because, like, the Gregorian calendar rolls over. Like, there's That's still true. actively a genocide happening in the Middle East, in in Palestine. But, like, so much of the optimism surrounding this was... You know, maybe the new boss will be less shitty than the old boss. And I did see um, CWA, the Code Workers of America Union, put out a statement and said that none of the union unionized staffers at Microsoft, since like some of the QA and some of the other little elements within Microsoft, like very small pockets are unionized. They said none of their people were affected and they, you know, encourage people to join a union. But I also saw that the president of blizzard and one of the co-founders of blizzard also stepped down amid all of this just like what washing their hands and getting the hell out and among all of it too says that blizzard at least one game that activision blizzard was working on is confirmed to be canceled which you know in terms of like importance that's about the bottom right now, considering I think yeah. everybody's a little more worried about all the people who just lost their jobs. But like, fucking yeah, stuff's going to get canceled. Like, there are now 2,000 less people working in their gaming division. Yeah, it just, it really sucks. And Kotaku released, I mean, Kotaku has this like living document that we've mentioned before. And now it's like almost 6,000 people have lost their jobs. 
yeah. in the games industry this year. And it's this and just it's just not making me feel great about this year. Like you and I both work in media and seeing the bloodbath that has happened at Business Insider. Yeah. The LA Times. I think National Geographic. I mean, like the amount that has just happened this week has made it almost untenable to go on Twitter because I feel like I'm just watching people lose their livelihoods in real time all the fucking yeah. time. And it's so stressful. And as a person who is like currently looking for more work, it is it, it just really fucking deeply concerns me. And I had a real like thought this week about like what happens if there's no more jobs in our industry and like what what do I even fucking do? Like, yeah, mm. I guess I could just go be a PR person, but I would fucking hate my life. Yeah. And there are other professions I think are really wonderful and noble, but, like, I hate needles and I hate blood. I know I can't do anything in healthcare. Um, as much as I enjoy writing and making news stories about healthcare, I can't participate in healthcare. Um, I mean, like, fucking, I don't know, man. Like, I guess I'll just go be a teacher until I drop out because of burnout. Which is inevitably yeah. another thing that happens because of the the nature of being a teacher in the United States. Um, so it just it just put me it's it's just been putting me in a really bleak place to be honest. And I don't really know what to like how to feel about all of it, but it's just been on my mind and it's been weighing. Um, but I do like I did see one tweet that gave me some reprieve, and it was like it's totally understandable to see people leaving the industry whether it's the games industry or media mm -hmm. but like isn't it kind of beautiful for some people to be like no motherfucker i'm like hanging on till the end yeah and i think that's really beautiful and that's how i'm trying to approach like my industry and things like that is like people like games people enjoy consuming media people like to read things people like to listen to things and like there will always be a human desire for it even if shareholders don't see that value because it's not yeah. infinite growth all the time um and so i'm just trying to frame it that way but it is it is really hard to see this news come in just like constantly and that's been something i've been sort of struck like wrestling with um that's my piece about that <laughs> i had a thought recently that was like it was like, I know how to do the job that I currently do, and I feel like I can adapt pretty easily within the media sphere, but I'm like, outside of writing, <laughs> I don't really have that many marketable skills. You know what I mean? Have you ever had that thought where you're just yeah, like- Yeah, I've worked in comms, but like, yeah, that's it. And the thing is, like, I, I learned this, I think like, three years into college, which is way too late to be- to be learning these things it's like mm -hmm. i could do this sort of comms pr work and that's technically what my degree is in but i fucking hate it yeah so it's like i i could do it and do it well and make a decent living actually i would just be miserable yeah so it's just like yeah shout out to anyone who's lost a job in the past year it's been a real bloodbath i mean not just in media and in games other other fucking spaces too like my one of my a close family member of mine got laid off and he fucking worked in health insurance it's like how are health insurance companies having layoffs i feel like that's like one of the most stable places around i don't know but it's rough up yeah. there yeah and like you said as always i mean <clears throat> for what little bit it's worth we express nothing but solidarity with the people who have been laid off and our hearts go out to the people who are now uh on social media looking for new jobs and that kind of shit but it's it's rough out there it's real rough out there it is. i had a i had a middle schooler i gave a presentation at a friend's middle school classroom this week about like uh local journalism and like uh writing and why it's something you should care about and the kids loved it um not not to toot my own horn but uh this that. one kid they didn't start I was like, doing, like quoting a, andrew tate at you or anything no, none of them did. None of them did. I That's think so honestly, good. the kids, the kids are all right. Like, the kids are I know based. there's a lot of kids are based. Yeah, there was a there was one kid during one of my Q and A sessions because like one group really wanted to ask me questions, and one of the kids was like, "Have you ever thought about writing a book?" And I was like, "I I was like the longest story I've ever written was like a little over two thousand words, and that's like 
a tenth of the average novel size. So, like, not quite, but I guess it is somewhat attainable to me. And the kid was just kind of looking at me like, whoa, like, that's crazy. Yeah, it's like actually possible. And then I was kind of looking back at him like, that is kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, you're like, wait, maybe I could. What, what if I did? Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, maybe, uh, see, if all the media jobs go away and all the jobs in your field disappear, you can just write a book. There you go. That's that's the vibe. Just write a book. Um, <sighs> is other, there any good news? I know. Well, <laughs> do you want to skip the 3DS Wii U thing? I feel like we need to at least mention it. Okay. Because even though it's bad news... As, as as large a proponents as we are in this show of the Nintendo 3DS, I feel like we cannot at least use this as an opportunity to eulogize our beloved handheld. Yeah. So another piece of slightly bummer news, though, just to get it over with, is that online services for the 3DS and the Wii U are officially going offline on April 8th. Yeah. I So when, when the 3DS like marketplace eShop went offline. I thought that was it. I didn't realize there is still some vestiges of online services left on yeah, the I'll 3DS. I don't really know what people are still doing online play outside of like a couple of notable street exceptions. Pass, like I can Well, that's not going to go away, you know, cuz that's that's peer to peer wireless. I'm talking yeah. like what are people playing with each other via Wi-Fi? And so, like, one thing I thought of was a Wonder Trade on the Gen 6 and 7 Pokemon games, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, you can play Pokemon X and Y and you can still Wi-Fi trade with people. So that's going to go away. And then, I don't know, like, maybe people are playing online on Splatoon 1, even though Splatoon 2 and 3 exist. But beyond that, like, obviously I am bummed about this and I think this sucks. But I'm like, I don't really know, like, I don't really know. I don't. I don't think this is going to be as much of a blow as the eShop closing was. And it's still going to be a blow because anytime I'm of the opinion that just from like an archivism point of view, archival and archiving point of view, there it sucks when a game can no longer be played in the way that it was released. You know, like uh, I've been fiddling recently with one of the Gen 5 Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. Me and me and one of my cousins have been playing Pokemon uh, Black 2 and White 2 together. And the Gen 5 Pokemon games are ones that like a lot of those games are gone now because of various online services. And like like there was a whole online web browser thing that tied into it where like a Pokemon, you could put a Pokemon in this like Wi-Fi connection thing. And then the Pokemon would go to sleep and then you could access the dream world from your web browser. And that would allow you to catch certain Pokemon that were inaccessible in the normal game. And they also and a bunch of others, too, including ones that had like abilities that were not catchable in the main game. And there's like references to the dream world repeatedly in the game. They're like, you can connect to the dream world. It's like, I cannot do that, actually. Like Game Freak shut that service down years ago, man. So it's there's going to be a whole lot of games now that just aren't going to resemble what they did at launch. And that's obviously a huge loss. Yeah, it's really it's a bummer. Um, If uh, are there any good 3D? There are good 3DS emulators, right? The I want to say that the 3DS emulation scene right now is pretty good because there's the Citra emulator, yes. I believe it's called. Because I know, uh, I know there was a big push for a hot minute to be able to emulate 3DS games, but at like full resolution. So like a really popular thing to do is like play uh, the Gen 3 Pokemon remakes, for example, but to like uncap the frame rate and to have mods that make it so that the the care the pokemon don't have like the hard edges that they do that to allow it to run on the 3ds so it looks much smoother and so i think 3ds emulation's in a pretty good place i'm not so sure about wii u emulation but i mean i know the wii emulation's in a really great place with dolphin so i would assume if wii u emulation is not already there then like it'll probably get there yeah pour one out for the 3ds it is uh, always always ethical to find find ways to play these games is what I'll say. It is. It is. Um, but one thing that is coming out that I am excited oh. about is the new Peach game. Princess Peach 
Showtime. I'm glad you put this on this list. This this looks very fun. Yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I guess we should say that this is predicated on there was a new trailer released for this game. Yes, and, a couple um, days ago. Yeah, and I don't know. I still don't really know what this game is. You know what I mean? Like, this is another That's trailer. I was feeling like. It's like, <laughs> when I first saw it, I was like, is this a dress-up game? But no, she's like fighting yeah. people. It like, it appears that there are platforming elements, but mm-hmm. also like combat. Like it shows, this trailer was basically just like a series of little vignettes of like, here are the different peaches, like the different Barbies. It's like, here's Kung Fu Peach and here's Detective Peach. And like some of them Cowgirl show her Peach. beating enemies. Some of them show her like, yeah, lassoing enemies. Some of them show her like solving a puzzle as Detective Please Peach. Please be normal, guys. But all of Please it. Please be normal. <laughs> Please be normal. Holy shit. All of it is on like this, uh, on this like stage, like a theater stage. Mm-hmm. And it is incredibly unclear like what this game even is. <laughs> yeah. What? I need the lore. Like, why is she on stage? Why are all these enemies here? Um, it is an interesting concept. I am excited for it. I do think, like, I don't know. It, it's a very, um, I'm not going to mention the Switch 2, but, like, <laughs> it's one of those games, I feel like if it, ha- if it had come out two years ago, no one would be talking about it. But because of the, like, kind of darth of games that are coming out for the Switch this year, people are talking mm-hmm. about this. So I kind of wonder how that'll affect how it'll be perceived and reviewed and like, I'm not saying this is a bad game, but it's kind of like a second or third tier sort of Nintendo game. And people are definitely more hyped about it than I think maybe they would otherwise if there was other big releases going on for this console. But yeah, I'm excited for it. It'll be cute. It'll be fun. Um, Yeah, check out Princess Peach Showtime. You want to know something weird about this game, too? And I saw this pointed out on Twitter because I've had this thought in the past. Like, who is developing this game? Like, we know it's Nintendo. It's but not it's like, first party, right? Oh, it is? It, 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 it looks like it's being developed and published by Nintendo. But, like, we also, like, mm-hmm. is, is Next Level Games developing this? Is, like, I know, yeah. I know Retro Studios isn't developing this because they're working on another game. But, like, who's, who's developing this game? Like, I saw a tweet that was, like, it's very weird, especially from the perspective of Nintendo's big first party titles, because they usually trot out during the directs or whatever. And we might still get this, you know, like they tend to trot out like the person who's like going to be the figurehead for it. Like when it's a Zelda, we get Aonuma and Aonuma is like, I'm working on it with my team and we're doing this. When it's a Mario, we get Miyamoto most of the time. And Miyamoto's like, I created Mario and here's my team who's working on this game. But like, I feel like we don't really know. Not only do we not know what this game looks like, it almost feels like they are going out of their way to not really show who's making it. And I don't think that that's like a conspiracy theory, like, ooh, someone's making it. But it's like, it's just weird that there's not any more information about it at this point. I don't know. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I'm very, very curious to see how this game fares when it comes out. Uh, we know that Retro is not making it, though, because Retro is still hard at work on Metroid Prime 4. Um, oh, my do you God. Share, do you want to share this the milestone? Dog, yeah. <laughs> it's the five-year anniversary of Metroid Prime 4 being announced. That's crazy. That's so crazy. That's five crazy. Five years. I need to know, like, what what is happening? Like, wh- why is it taking them this long? You remember when they had that Nintendo Direct where they were like, hey, we're starting the game over? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that was just so crazy. I've, I've still never seen anything like that in gaming. It <laughs> like is that, wild. The only thing that comes close to that in my mind is that one, that one video or that one article where Satoru Iwata was like, sorry, we fucked up the 3DS so bad. We're going to give you some free Game Boy games if you paid 250 bucks for it. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, actually, it does remind me of another game that people waited years oh. for, over a decade even, which was Kingdom Hearts 3. Remember that? Like, people... Oh yeah, I remember, that's true. I remember waiting for that game to come out in, like, 2012. Like, dead ass. Like, waiting for that game to come out in 2012. 
and it came out in I 2018. Remember, I remember being in elementary school talking to a friend of mine who was also really into Kingdom Hearts and talking about how we had seen on the internet like the the true ending cutscene for Kingdom Hearts 2 that plays at the very end of that game when you beat it that shows like the armor suit of one of the characters that we would not actually see in a game until Birth by Sleep on the PlayStation Portable oh however many God. years later but I remember I, w- I was seven years I was yeah I was seven years old when Kingdom Hearts 2 came out and when that game came out, I was like, fuck yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to rip so hard. <laughs> and then that game didn't come out until the PlayStation 4. And it was and like kind of mid, it right? I, yeah, I've never played it because I heard it was People said the story mid. was mid, yeah. I just remember the Tangled level and getting stuck on Mother Mother Gothel or whatever her name is. Um, I just remember seeing the cutscenes of like Sheriff Woody talking really dramatically about like hearts and darkness and shit. And I was like, I will have to play this eventually. Well, it's time to announce that Noah and I will be playing a Kingdom Hearts game. Not three, but we will be playing two for an upcoming thing that we can't talk about. But yes, keep in mind, we will. We will be playing Kingdom Hearts 2, which I am very excited to do. The series. I was like. I don't know about you, but I was like aggressively into this game. Like it came out oh, yeah. at the perfect time of like edgy 2000 stuff too. That it was like the Organization 13 guys, like the the Black Cloaks, and then like Roxas dual wielding Keyblades. Like I was pretty sure that that was the coolest shit I'd ever seen in my entire it life. It is so. the coolest shit. Okay, okay. I need I need to send you something. I need to send you a picture of the shirt I wore, a Kingdom Hearts 2 shirt I wore at Hot Topic from Hot Topic oh, when I awesome. was in high school. Okay. While you're uh, while you're looking that up, uh, we'll have to see if Nathaniel wants to get in on Kingdom Hearts 2, but I'm I'm not he sure if he has played. get in on fucking Kingdom Hearts. I know. I don't know if he's played Kingdom Hearts. I know he picked up the full collection, but I don't know if he's even touched Kingdom Hearts 1. And I'm like Kingdom Hearts 2 is hard to parse if you've played Kingdom Hearts 1. I can't imagine where you would be if you had not touched the series. <laughs> okay, I, I sent you. That, that, is essentially, that is essentially the shirt I wore all the time in high school. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, opening, I'm opening this up right now as we speak. Oh my god, I have that exact same shirt. I oh still have that shirt. <laughs> I have it. I no I longer a have that version shirt. of that. It is the classic image of. Um, this is like this is the cover art of Kingdom Hearts Two. Yeah, isn't I think it, it is. Like it's like Roxas sitting. is sitting on one side and like yeah. Sora is sitting on the other side, and they're kind of facing like in opposite directions, and, and like it's got King Mickey Mickey's at the very on top, and the fucking yeah. Organization Thirteen outfit. Which there yeah. is nothing funnier, honestly, than Mickey in an Organization Thirteen outfit. No, you're right. There's not. There's not. There's really. I, not. Uh, I still have that shirt that I've definitely had since hot the hot topic days and I wear it as like a bedtime shirt every now and then like a it's a comfy shirt it's, a good, it's, it's a one good of those ones that's shirt. been through the wash an ungodly amount of times mm-hmm. since it's from like my old middle school hot topic days so shout out but yeah I'm excited to play Kingdom Hearts 2 I am I am very excited to play Kingdom Hearts 2 Do you so, want to talk about some other stuff that we are currently playing? Yeah, let's get into what we've been playing. Um, I can go first because it's kind of short. Okay. Uh, I I needed a, a pad a, I needed a palette cleanser between Metal Gear Solid and Kingdom Hearts because that feels like a weird swing tonally. Um, Wait, did you beat Metal Gear Solid One? I oh yeah, I beat Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> That's the thing you I did. The lead, yeah. I buried the lead. I did that. I hate that at the end you think you're like good, and they're like, actually, you need to face a fucking mech. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm trying to get out of here, man. Um, I, uh, I'll put a spoiler tag for this conversation at the start of it, but like, can we talk about just like what a, what a fucking dude's rock scene it is when uh, Solid and Liquid fight and Liquid like rips his shirt off? Like, yeah, dude. Dude's fucking rock, I was rock, like, oh my man. god, this is Iron Claw. This is literally Iron Claw. There's a guy with a blonde perm shirtless just screaming and talking about how it's his time to die. This is this is literally this is literally the Iron Claw. Anyway, um, well the other the other dude's rock scene was in that guy that is like Naomi's adoptive brother, who's like a yes. cyborg now. 
who like yes. you, you like injured in Zanzibar. Yeah, he, yeah, like, cyborg he, like, ninja. He sacrifices yeah, himself and he gets like crushed by the the mech. I know. I know. Yeah, there's a lot of dudes rocking in in this game. Honestly, I, I kind of really I really support it. Um, it's got that like macho man type vibe that it like veers into homoeroticism often yeah. because oh, of yeah. the the Top way gun. it like Top Gun vibes. Top Gun, yeah. It's like look at how fucking cool the male form is, but like that is that is the line between the camera that lingers and... on his nipples for just one second too long. You're exactly like, the line between that and I want to fuck this guy are like. <laughs> <laughs> they are so Blurred. it's so small it's Blurred. microscopic so like. <laughs> just for context i i got the bad quote unquote bad endings i couldn't i couldn't mash a hard enough to like make meryl survive in the torture scenes gotcha i tried it like three times and like it's just yeah. i don't have that dog in me and it's okay i think literally the only difference is that snake asks otacon if love can bloom on the battlefield instead of asking meryl if love can bloom on the battlefield and if we're being honest i think him Otacon. having that conversation that, with Otacon the, is like yeah. more canon. God, I, <laughs> it feels more canon in I've my heart. I've already heard that phrase so many times and so to hear it in the game is like, oh, that's that's where this from. Yeah. And it makes sense for him to say can, it. Can love bloom on the battlefield? Yeah. Can it? It I feel like love is blooming between Snake and Otacon uh, of any anyway. So I don't feel too bad about Meryl dying. I do have like when they both like get away on the snowmobile across the like ice lake um mm -hmm. snake is like wow we both lost like gfs here like what an owl <laughs> and sorry i killed your sniper girlfriend <laughs> yeah but they're like at least we have each other and they just like ride off into the sunset that's yeah. great man that's great stuff it's awesome it's so good does this make you want to dive deeper into this series or did you finish mgs1 and you were like that was actually pretty self-contained. I feel pretty good because like it is a pretty self-contained game, all things considered. Um, it makes me want to dive in more because I, I know mm -hmm. people really like two and three. Yeah. If this like if I was I was alive in 1998, but only for like 10 days, um, <laughs> <laughs> if I was a person who was able to play video games in 1998 when this game came out. I and like not knowing a sequel would be a thing. I'd be like, oh, this is a good one-off. Yeah, like it it does function well as a one-off, but also n living in the twenty-first century, knowing this game has like five plus entries, makes me want to play more of them. Especially since uh, Metal Gear Solid is like the f the fourth entry in the series to begin with. <laughs> like it's not okay, even the I first. I don't really game. care about the ones before. <laughs> like I, I'm good. But, like, Sons of Liberty, Snake Eater, that's yeah. what I'm interested in. My understanding of the ones before is that Metal Gear Solid is, like, low-key, kind of like a retelling of some of the early MSX games. But the early MSX games are still technically canon, I believe, because they are how Solid Snake knows who Big Boss is. Because Big Boss is like the the big boss mm -hmm. at the end of Metal Gear, original Metal Gear from 1987. So like, they're still technically canon, but I don't really think you need that information. Like, and I don't know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a heresy in the Metal Gear fandom, but I'm like, in the same way that I don't think you really need to play the Game Boy Color Metal Gear Solid game. I really don't think you need to play the MSX Metal Gear game that came out 10 years before Metal Gear yeah, Solid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm good. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. So but it definitely satisfies my thing of like playing things from other franchises that I'm not 100% mm -hmm. familiar with. Um, so that's great. And then I am now playing Captain Toad, which is a game on the Switch where you play as Toad. And you just mm -hmm. try to find treasure in each level. There's like three hidden gems. And you try to find gems and find a star at the end. And like, is this a game for babies? Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm very well giving this to like one of my nephews when I'm done with it. But it's just mm -hmm. like a fun game to play before bed. Where you just like solve a couple of puzzles. And every time you complete a level, he makes his little toad noise. He goes, Mama! like that little... <laughs> toad noise and it's it's great so yeah just a little yeah, palate cleanser 
We had this one on the Wii U, and my sister got really into it for a hot second. And, like, I was never riveted by the gameplay of it, but I did think it was really cool the way the levels are built, like, dioramas. Mm -hmm. Like, the levels the levels in this game are so small compared to, like, literally any other kind of Mario-related yeah, thing you'll ever like play. Yeah, it's like a shoebox. But, yeah, but it's really... It reminds me a lot of, like, I don't know, what they eventually did with, like, the Link's Awakening remake, where it looks it looks very much like a diorama and then you spin the camera and you're meant to like look at every little nook and cranny and look at the way the camera is positioning things and you have to reposition the camera like it's a, it's a neat little game i i want to say i would have to double check this but i want to say i read that um this was actually initially developed as part of the design stage for the uh super mario 3d world so that was the one that came out on the wii u and they later mm -hmm. released on the switch because there's a couple of levels in that game that are just this like they're just captain toad levels and they just like had a really fun time doing it and they just wanted to make more of it and it's, so it's built around that gimmick of like not being able to jump and so it's like okay like how do we how do we craft something around a character who can't jump? And it, we're not going to do like Mario. We're not going to turn into a Zelda thing. And so they settled on this like cutesy background character who's been like popping up here and there since Mario Galaxy. And it's it's really cool. Like it's a neat little experiment. I like when they do stuff like this. Yeah. Solid, solid little game. I feel like it could be a phone game, like a mobile game. It has that potential to it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Captain Toad. That's what I've mostly been playing. And besides that, so... We had some friends over this weekend, and a lot of us were playing Beat Saber. And, like, we've played other games on our PSVR, too. Like, Jesse has tried the Horizon one. We've done the Gran Turismo one. He did on your now-repaired PSVR, na too. Shh. Um, <laughs> not repaired. It was refunded, and they sent us a new one. So my brother irreparably karate-chopped it, yes. <laughs> um. We've pl and Jesse's playing like the Resident Evil 4 one and like the only thing that hasn't made me feel dizzy has been Beat Saber but it makes me feel sad that the only thing I've really enjoyed playing on this thing has been Beat Saber like that feels like mm. I'm not using this thing to its potential like no shade to Beat Saber um you can there's there's Lizzo songs on there now so it's not just like Crab Rave which is which is good um <laughs> But you are just treating it as like a Beat Saber machine, basically. Yeah, but like, I just want to, I, I want to know from our audience or anyone else, like, is there any like PSVR 2 games I need to like be on the lookout for that I should try? Am I just like not cut out for this sort of thing? Like some people just are just not built for VR. It's fine. But What's I have so it in my me, possession, mm, so. What's really weird to me is it's like, I was trying to think of VR games that I had heard of off the top of my head. And I feel like I forget that even though when I see a VR game, I go, oh, yeah, that's a VR game. But there is still technically like different VR consoles. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was like, oh, Half-Life Alex is supposed to be good. But I'm like, I don't think you can play that on I PSVR. I don't think that's PS, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I remember I saw a commercial one time for a Star Wars one that looked kind of cool. And then I was like, wait, that's on Oculus. Like, I don't think you can play that on PSVR. No, <laughs> so it's, it's very just, strange. Yeah, it is very strange. Um, so yeah, just, just trying to keep an eye out for that. I mean, if it's, if it's a Beat Saber machine, it's a Beat Saber machine, and maybe I just have to learn how to live with that. Um, besides that, uh, we, so we got invited to a baby shower in like a month or two, mm. and so like, obviously, Damn. yeah, it's one of Jesse's high school friends. Um, and, you know, you like, you look at the registry and shit, and it's like, oh, we have a registry at Target. So we go to Target, and like, it just occurred to me. That, like if you don't have a baby or know a baby like 30 percent of target has been like not utilized by you there's like a whole like child and baby section of target that i've just never thought about and now i'm yeah. like holy shit this is like a whole part of this department store that's like now unlocked and like there's two aisles just for diapers i didn't realize there are so many types of diapers that exist I like it was why I was I was looking at this registry and I was like, what the fuck do you even need? And apparently yeah. you need like 70 different items. And like there's a thing that sucks the snot out of the child's nose when they're de Damn. they're congested. They're they're I could just use like, that right now. Honestly, why not? <laughs> I don't know if they make adult size nose Fridas, which is what those are called. Um, Interesting. 
But yeah, there's just a lot. I think we settled on the no we got them a nose sucker and we got them like a front like chest carrier. So I, I feel pretty good about it. But it it's interesting. I, I realize there's so many items and it got me thinking about like consumerism and like do you actually need all those items? And like I started asking my dad, I was like, did you like have all this shit for me? And most of them he was like, yeah. And then some of them he was like, no, what is that? <laughs> so it's just like, it's interesting. It's, uh, I think it is consumerism and like certain types of industries prey on people's like fears and insecurities about themselves. Like cosmetics yeah. is a great example of this. And I think like the, there is a baby industrial complex and I think it preys on people's like fears of like not being good parents. There's mm -hmm. just like shit that's just I think they just invent shit. Like there's like one where it's like a a, a blanket you put on the floor that's full of activities. It's like tummy time. It's like good for a baby's development. And I'm like fucking sure bet I was probably crawling on the floor. I didn't have a special floor blanket. Like I look at baby pictures of myself. And I'm like on the floor while like my grandma's smoking a cigarette, and there's like. <laughs> There's like Jay Leno on TV. Like there, like I didn't, I don't, I didn't need Tommy Tom. Like, what is this an yeah. invention? It's so it's just it just really it makes me it makes me wonder about a lot of things. Like how much is manufactured yeah. and how much is actually necessary to like raise a functional human being. Um, no, it's true because you you don't want to veer, you don't want to veer too hard into that and risk becoming one of those reactionaries who boomers. is like, well, I came up just fine and yeah, ignore the like, fact that I like, didn't have a car seat and it's like, okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I got spanked and I turned car out seat. okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to do that. When it's like, no, child development is like, it's like an active, it's a science. Like it's an active thing that we're learning more about. So it's like, you don't want to sound like a reactionary who's yeah. against that. I want to go the same full token, boomer. Like my grandparents, yeah. my, both my grandmothers, I believe that for at least one of their children smoke while pregnant. I'm like, that's not advisable. We know now yeah. that's a bad idea. But also, like, do we need like a $300 special blanket? Like, that seems kind of excessive. Yeah. I don't know. So it's, it's, it's an interesting industry. This is something I, I need to. I get lots of sort of woman content on like okay. Instagram reels and TikTok. <laughs> and by woman content, it's a lot of like not trad wife shit although i have gotten a couple of those and i've screenshot them and sent them to you because they're really funny this is true yeah um but i just get stuff where it's like women sometimes talking about their kids and shit and like i, I do get some like mommy content here and there and i just like just wonder like i what i'm trying to say is like this is something i'm sure someone has written a very good video essay about and I want to watch it, but I don't want to fuck my algorithm into thinking that I have a baby. Because once yeah. the algorithm thinks you have a baby, you are so fucked. Like, just by buying our friends the snot sucker thing at Target, I am now getting Instagram ads for, like, bougie cribs. And I'm like, yeah, I do, I'm not purchasing a crib. That's how it starts. Yeah, so that's, that's how they start thinking you're pregnant. I know. I just I don't want to fuck my algorithm any further, but it is something that I've been thinking about. So yeah, that's why I've been playing. Isn't it funny that uh, for a lot of people, they go from the wedding industrial complex to the baby industrial complex to I don't know the child raising industrial complex, like divorce industrial think, complex. <laughs> I'm beginning to think that this is all just one big grift. If we're being honest, no, okay, because like <laughs> by the way, you and Christine are going to continue to get targeted wedding shit ads oh, yeah. for like six months after you're married. Like yeah. I, I had to consciously, I had to consciously unsubscribe from like David's bridal email list like six months ago i've been married for a year so, so the, the algorithm is pushing me through this marriage baby pipeline as fast as like an immigrant parent they're like <laughs> nine months after the wedding there's like have you seen this crib I'm like okay yeah like, yeah they, they saw my birth certificate they're like hmm second child and both your parents are still in your 20s okay <laughs> oh my god um i don't know if i'm in any 
industrial complex. Well, yeah, I'm in an industrial complex. Uh, I've been playing Fortnite because, you know, Fortnite updated. Um, I'm sorry. Was that everything that you were playing? Yeah, Should that's, I begin every, that's everything I'm playing. Okay. Start sharing. Well, I wanted to share, since it ties in nicely with something you played, uh, Fortnite did one of their like mid-season updates and launched their next thing. Tori, I bought my first battle pass in Fortnite. Let's now, go. I didn't purchase it with US dollars. I purchased it because I've been saving up the in-game V-Bucks that I get for doing free stuff for a long time and only only not saving them up when I bought K-pop emotes. But um, I bought the battle pass that got me the Solid Snake costume because they're in the middle of their Metal Gear Solid stuff right now. Um, so I've been seeing... So right now it's... If you buy the battle pass, you get the Solid Snake costume, and then it has three different variants. So it's Metal Gear Solid One Solid Snake, MGS One Solid Snake with like the with like the night vision goggles thing on. That's like I don't know. Uh, for for people who've played MGS Five, like when he pulls up the goggles, like it's that kind of shit. And then eventually, I will unlock a last style for him that makes him look like MGS Four Old Man Snake, and then. In the shop, alongside that right now, they're selling the Raiden skin. So he looks like MGS2 Raiden, and he comes with, like, a katana and stuff. The amount of memes I have been seeing about, like... Is he like, caked up? He's No, he's not caked up. They they nerfed <sighs> my boy's ass. Um, That's so unfortunate. Because everybody's, everybody's got to fit into that same Fortnite model, yeah, and the Fortnite model doesn't have an ass. Exactly. Like, <laughs> he doesn't have an ass, so he's not allowed That's to have so an ass. That's so tragic. But it's really, it's just been kind of interesting. Like, they didn't change what's going on in Fortnite too, too much, but they did add a few things. Like, they added an item that allows you to go completely invisible. It's like stealth camo mm. and, you know, ties in with Metal Gear. They also added, like, um, cardboard boxes that you can, like, hide inside of and then pop up out of and shoot. Um, and it's cute, you know? Like, I, I am very much enjoying being the Solid Snake skin and playing as solid snake and running around and doing things as solid snake and like they added an emote where like a character holds up like an exclamation point and it plays like the metal gear sound when somebody sees you and shit and like it's cute they got me it's cute um fortnite is still good i like that they added the camouflage thing they added is not like past camouflages they did so this one has like an emp effect which is like um i don't think there's any of that in mgs1 but in mgs2 there's a there's a really famous scene at the beginning where Snake is like he comes out of like uh his camouflage mm -hmm. and there's like electricity crackling around him and okay. it's like it's it's a famous scene you will have probably seen it and not realized it um because I think they reference it in like the Super Smash Brothers games but I love so that. it's like when you activate this cut camouflage thing you go completely invisible and then when you come out of the camouflage it does like an EMP shock around you that like disables vehicles and injures people's shields and stuff oh, that's sick. It's, it's like yeah it's cool little stuff like that that i love when they do to like tie in mechanically in some small way with like the ip that they're licensing because it's mm -hmm. like it's the stuff like i think they're they're calling it part of like their gaming legends series gaming and it's cool legends. that it's not gaming legends i think the only <laughs> other gaming legend they did was like uh doom guy and maybe Halo, maybe Master Chief Halo is in there too. But like, I don't recall them ever putting like a beam sword in there as a weapon, you know? Mm. Like, it's kind of cool that they're trying to do little stuff that ties MGS to Fortnite in that way. So, I don't know. It's cool. Nice. Um, what else have I been playing? So, the Nintendo Switch Online service recently added Golden Sun. And despite the fact that I'm in the middle of plenty of other RPGs, I decided I would start Golden Sun on Switch Online. Um, Ooh, I've been curious about this. This is a game that I own a Game Boy Advance cartridge for and yeah. like did try to play multiple times over the years because I, I, I remember picking it up from a used video game store back when like Super Smash Brothers Brawl was coming out and all the people were like, they're going to add Isaac from Golden Sun. Here's a leak that says they're going to add Isaac. And they ended up adding him as an assist trophy, but not a character. And I wanted to see what all the hubbub was about. And like, I just never got into it. Like it is, it's developed by Camelot. Camelot developed the Mario Tennis games. They also developed the Shining Force games on the Sega Genesis. So like they've made RPGs before and Golden Sun is like a really good non-square enix rpg if you know what i mean it's like the kind of rpg that 
clearly does not have the same kind of budget uh, as like a Square Enix game, but it's still really good. Um, but I never quite gelled with it. And I think that's in part because and I'm not sure if this is a like common take or not, but like the intro to this game, the first like couple hours are so ungodly that's slow. What I've heard, oh, I've heard everyone God. be like the beginning of this game is miserable. And it doesn't help that like having tried to play this game a couple of times, I've played through the beginning sequence and not Which like at all it recently. Yeah. It makes it so much worse. It's so much dialogue and it's not like a lot of it's not even like interesting dialogue. You know, it's like table setting, but it's the kind of table setting where like they do this thing where to in involve the player and make the player feel like they're more involved. Your character, Isaac, is a like he's a silent protagonist, but characters will ask you questions, yes or no questions, and then you will have to answer the yes or no questions as if that has any bearing on what's going on. And it it doesn't feel like it has any bearing. You know, people will be like, all right, Isaac, I think we should go over there. Have you ever been over there? And you'll be like, yes. And he'll be like, okay, cool, let's go. And if you say no, they'll be like, okay, cool, let's go. Like, it does not feel like you are affecting anything. It yep. feels like it's just put in there to be like, hey, are you paying attention? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And it, this I, is I don't clearly wanna, some child's first video game sort of thing. Exactly. But like, on the same side, it has like, like, I'm already starting to see bubbling up, like, a pretty in-depth RPG system of, in, uh, I'm trying to think, like, a similar analog to it. Like, in Final Fantasy VI, you have the Esper system, where, like, you can equip Espers to characters, and when they are equipped with those Espers, they have certain stat boosts and learn specific spells while they're holding on to it. Mm -hmm. And in this game, it's Jin. So you have the Jin, and you find them, and they're elemental and when you attach certain djinn to your characters, they can either cast them as a summon in the same way that you can cast espers in Final Fantasy VI, or if you like properly equip them so they're no longer castable as a summon, you get stat boosts. So it's like a really cool kind of like I don't. It's not quite like a risk reward, but it is like what do you value more? Is it the big flashy attack that does 45 damage to everybody on screen or do you value having six more hp points and three more defense and i'm under the impression that it gets deeper the deeper you get into the game and it's it's neat like i aside from how ungodly slow the intro is to this and how even like with an hour into it i can still tell that i'm not through like <laughs> the boring slow stuff at the beginning like you can see percolating interesting systems going on and so it remains to be seen whether i stick it out to actually make it to those interesting systems but i'm glad to see that this is on the switch online and i think it's really cool that it's on switch online with the lost age which is technically a sequel but was basically developed to be like the second half of this game more or less so hmm. yeah, i have I don't a question know. so like how would you compare this to like sea of stars like can you clearly see like inspiration from golden sun is there some shared DNA? I think if there is shared DNA between it and C, I, I think I can see it in that like the core focus is like base elements. You know how like everything in Sea of Stars revolves around like the sun and the moon and sun magic and moon magic and I don't know, the sun and the, the solstice and all this. And in a similar way, like golden sun is all about like the building blocks of alchemy are like the four basic elements and everything gets knocked out of whack when like this spunky group of strange people come and fuck everything up and so it's like it's very i would say it's similar it has a shockingly similar setup now that i'm kind of thinking about them one to one of like the world order gets disrupted by a strange group of characters who kind of like seemingly do something for really no reason just like come out of the woodwork and do like a shocking bad thing and it doesn't really seem like what the hell their motivation could be mm -hmm. but i i think it it just reminds me so much of like the playstation one and the super nintendo era mm -hmm. of rpgs where it was like for every final fantasy 4 and final fantasy 6 you also had like lufia 2 and you had like I don't know, like the tales of games and that kind of stuff where it was like 
it didn't quite have the budget of a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest, and maybe the systems weren't quite as fully fleshed out as something like that, but it's still, like, good, you know? It's still interesting. It's still doing interesting things. It might just not be doing as much interesting stuff as, like, the high-watermark games of this genre, which is... It's unfair to compare them to in a lot of ways. It's just tough when it's a game that's in a space where it's especially on a console like the Switch where it's like the high some of the high watermark games are on that console, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like do you want to play Golden Sun? Do you want to play Final Fantasy 6? Like it is unfair to compare those and I still think Golden Sun is interesting enough that like I'm going to try to keep messing with it just like passively in the background, you know? Um I think the only other thing I really want to get into is that uh, movie watch. I watched a movie because I'm gamifying my movie watching by making a letterbox so that I can be like, oh, I've only watched two movies this year. I look lame. I got to watch more movies. Um, shout out to Nathaniel for that. Shout, shout out to Nathaniel for getting us on Letterboxd, honestly. Um, I, I mentioned recently that I read the book Killers of the Flower Moon and I finally watched the movie. It is three and a half hours long and i split it across two nights normally when i see a movie is that long i go hell no i'm not watching that why did you not have a better editor i was shocked shocked dear listener that this movie is paced unbelievably well for its three and a half hours like you feel Hmm. it you feel the length of it but there was never a point where i was like fuck this has gotta end sometime soon you know like I I would check the runtime at points and I'd be like, wow, I'm only 90 minutes in. And I would check the runtime at other points and be like, how is there only 30 minutes left? Like I I was genuinely blown away. And like I haven't really watched many other, if any, honestly, Scorsese films. So I'm I'm not I'm not talking about this from a place of like Yeah, I don't know I'm, if I have either. I'm the qualified I'm movie buff this. to talk about this. Um like, I've not seen Taxi Driver, and I know that's him. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but I read the book for this one, and I really wanted to watch the movie to see what they did. And, like, it's a really interesting adaptation, considering the book is, the book is, like, a masterful work of nonfiction, because it is the type of nonfiction that is written in such, like, a storied way that it almost makes you forget that you're reading nonfiction because it's just really, really well sourced since there was a government investigation into these murders of these, the Osage people in Oklahoma. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much documentation that like the author is able to write pretty authoritatively about like what people were doing at any given time Mm -hmm. in a way that like you usually only get with fiction. And so whereas the book was pretty neatly divided into like three chunks in that the beginning was like following uh, Molly Burkhart, one of the Osage women whose family is like dropping like flies around her. And it's clear that this is happening because people want like the the royalties of their oil in their estate to pass along to them. But it's unclear who's doing it. And then the second chunk of the book follows from the perspective kind of follows since it's you know nonfiction history the fbi agent who's sent to investigate this who on one hand is worried that he's going to get offed by one of the like crooked people in this town and on the other hand is getting telegrams every week from j edgar hoover who's like are you going to fucking solve this case or not that is terrifying (laughs) oh my god and then the last part of the book is like I don't know if you've ever experienced this as a writer and like I've definitely experienced this like when I've written some stuff too for work. And I think in my case, it has come from like an amateurish position. And I I don't think that is the same of the guy who wrote Killers of the Flower Moon. But the third chunk, it's like it was written for me. The third chunk is from the perspective of the author. And it's like, here's how I did this. Here is how I got interested in this. Here is how I I contacted sources. I was not expecting that either. I got to the point where I was like, I only had like 50 pages left of the book. And I was like, what the fuck is left? And then he's just like, hi, David Graham here. Here's how I became interested in this. And here's how I became like personally invested in these people's lives and how he like went to Oklahoma and like went to parties hosted by people who were related to people who were involved with this. And like, it was just so like some things are so shocking and hard to write about 
that I really appreciate when a writer can like strip the artifice back and be like, hey, that's fucked up, isn't it? And in this case, it was not only to be like, this is fucked up, but it's also. And I think I talked about this when I was reading the book initially, like the thing that turns me off about a lot of true crime is that it is so like sensational and it's so in a vacuum. It's so like we're going to look at this one grisly murder and mm. isn't that freaky? Whereas this Killers of the Flower Moon and the way Gran like structures it does such a good job of being like I followed three people mostly, mm-hmm. but so many more people died. And this is just all part of just like the system of how people thought about indigenous people and native americans and they just didn't think of them like people and the government didn't and law enforcement didn't and the guy at the corner store even if he was friendly to most of the native americans when push came to shove the legal structures didn't treat them like people and a lot of the people didn't feel that way about them and so i was really curious to see how the movie was going to handle that since it is following like characters in a way that the book just couldn't because it is a historical text and like i don't i'm not gonna like reveal anything about the the way the movie does some of this stuff because i think it's better if you just watch it if you haven't already but like there was a bit at the end that kind of like revealed to me what the equivalent for the film was of the pulling back that artifice to be like shit's fucked up isn't it and it it got me. I, I was like, I get it now. I get the three and a half hour runtime. I get why it had to be done this way. Like, Marty, you genius. I think I fucking get it. And so I think whatever awards this is up for, it absolutely deserves it. Yeah. There, like, I'm not a big Leo DiCaprio guy. Like, I like him. He's been good in things. I've still never seen Titanic, but like, I, he's really? fine. That's so, I don't know how. He just like his acting is good. I'm just not one of those guys who's like, oh my god, Leo DiCaprio's in it. I gotta go see this. But his 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 performance in this was good. And Jesse Plemons is in it too. And I love Jesse Plemons. He's great. Great, great, great movie. Highly recommend watching it. I've been wanting to watch this, but seeing it in theaters where they were not allowing intermissions, it was three and a half hours. I was like, I gotta piss. I, I yeah, I literally what? I had to watch it. I watched the first two hours last night for when we're recording this in the last 90 minutes, like minutes before we jumped on here. Like I was like still wiping tears away from my eyes when I was opening up our Zoom call. Like, oh, can I say so I Googled movies that Martin Scorsese has made and I have seen one of them. One of okay, the best. Which one? Shark Tale. What? <laughs> he made Shark Tale. You know, the, the cartoon movie where like Will Smith is a little fish guy. Yeah. And he's trying to impress a, a fish lady, and there's like sharks who he has to like wrestle and sh- maybe I'm hallucinating the plot. That's what I remember from my childhood. What? Okay, how was he? What part of it did he make? Oh my god, yeah, he's it's well, he was starring in it. He was one of the people in it. He didn't make it. Oh, okay, never mind. So I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can. You saw a movie that Scorsese was affiliated with. <laughs> Okay, I did not watch a Scorsese-directed film. I was like, Scorsese-directed Shark Tale? This is crazy. Um, no, nah, sorry. This was directed by three people, including uh, a gentleman named Rob Letterman, who... Oh, here we go. He transitioned into live-action filmmaking and did Gulliver's Travels in 2010 with Jack Black, Goosebumps with Jack Black in 2015, and Pokemon Detective Pikachu. So, you've seen, a Ro- you've seen some Rob Letterman joints. <laughs> I had, I distinctly remember owning the Shark Tale game for the GameCube and not being able to get past the first level. That's so funny. I had the Shrek 2 game for the PS2, and that was pretty good. Oh, it yeah, was the, like Shrek, the Shrek 2 game is really good, actually. I had that one for the PS2. That was that, that one banged. That was a good one. I think I had it for the Game Boy Advance as well, too. It was like, you remember back in the day when it was like, a movie would come out and they'd be like, buy the tie-in game. It's on. The GameCube and the PS2 and the Game Boy and the DS and the PSP and the PlayStation One. It's on. Yeah. It's, sometimes it's on the Wii too, and they would all be like different games. They I would know. just be like a whole it's last crazy. <laughs> Wait, can I can I read you a funny sentence on the Shark Tale Wikipedia page? You know what? Why not? Okay, so 
It made $375 million worldwide, finishing its theatrical run as the ninth highest grossing film of 2004. It's a pretty, pretty successful. However, the films received mixed reviews from film critics. Advocacy groups criticized the film for its use of Italian stereotypes. There we go. Like, what advocacy go. groups? The, I don't know, pro Italians for a better life in America. I don't I, know. I need to know. I need to, I need to see the reception here. Okay, okay, I got this. I got this. Order of the Sons of Italy in America, which is some sort of, like, Italian-American for chart it's like the it's like the freemasons before italian dudes interesting said quote we were very concerned about this type of stereotyping being passed on to another generation of children interesting well there was actually three different italian advocacy groups that did not like this movie straight up. any other organization that is called order of the sons of blank i'd be like white supremacist group like white supremacist group but when you add Italians and Italian or sons of Italy or whatever, I'm like, no, nah, they're probably fine. Like they weren't really considered white until like 50 years ago anyway. Like I think they're chill. They just they just don't want a, 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 an anti-Italian stereotype in the DreamWorks Shark movie. <laughs> There's also a conservative Christian group that said that it was designed to promote the acceptance of gay rights. I don't remember there being any gay fish in Shark Tale. Maybe I'm misremembering. I miss the days when uh, this is going to sound really bad, but you got to ride this one out with me. I miss the days when a movie would come out and fringe parental groups would be like, this is trying to promote homosexuality. And it would just be like SpongeBob's kind of fruity. And that's why we think that <laughs> it would be like, yeah, like uh, zero, zero proof. Exactly. Nowadays, it's much more pernicious because it's like, you know, Ben Shapiro goes on his podcast and is like, there's a gay character in this. It's they they want to they want to groom you and that kind of shit. And that's far more dangerous. This shit was just funny. They were like, yeah. SpongeBob's got a high pitched voice. He's a gay, and it was like, chill out, dude. Like, I don't think Shark Tale's promoting much of anything other than buy it's the about, GameCube it's game. It's about the Will Smith fish trying to beat up sharks to impress the Angelina Jolie fish, right? That's like deeply heterosexual. So. That is deeply heterosexual. In I don't really remember. It's fish, been a long time yeah, since I saw this. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much all we have for this week. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm probably going to go play some Final Fantasy XI before I go to sleep, for being probably honest. I'm going to play some more uh, Toad. Yeah, some more Toad. Yeah, I'm going to jump back on Final Fantasy XI and see what's going on in that, uh, that busted-ass world. I love it. There was a call to action at the end of the most recent episode of Girl Mode, and so I'm going to echo this, that uh, if you're listening to this and you've been like, God, I want to play a game that looks and feels like it was developed in 2002 and hasn't been updated since then. Buy Final Fantasy XI and come hang out. I'm on the uh, the Bahamut server. Uh, Willa and Robin are in there somewhere too. Like, come come and hang. Final Fantasy XI is really cool. Pull up. Uh, my free, my 30-day free trial is up at like the mid-February point and I have to decide if I'm going to re-up it for a month or like take a break. Cause it's like 12 bucks. I'm like, do I want to pay 12 bucks to like have this game sit on my yeah. computer and be like, maybe not touch it for a month. So got to think about that. Um, Tori, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore as underscore always. I'm on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz spelled H U R T S. I'm on letterboxd at Hertz. H-E-R-T-Z underscore A underscore lot. Aren't you on, you're on letter, what is your name on Letterboxd? You're like VD Peak, right? Wait, am I? I don't remember. I, th I think so. I could open up Letterboxd real quick. Operation, figure out what Tori's Letterboxd account is. Let me go to my, my network. Uh, yeah, you're VD Peak. V-D-P-E-E-K. There we go. There I go. only made Follow it once. I've only logged in once. <laughs> <laughs> well you gotta log in again once you watch killers of the flower moon so that you can review it yeah the podcast is on twitter at press underscore start pod and we're on tumblr and blue sky at press hyphen start pod you can email us if you have recommendations for tori about vr games or you are a member of the what was it the order of the sons of italy or whatever yeah um, you can email us if you're a part of that group too Hey, press start at gmail.com. 
Uh, our show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics, and our music at the front and back of the show is from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. And I think that does it. Tori, do you have anything else for the people? Or are you just itching to get back to Captain Toad and his various treasures he's I tracking? Say, I would say watch, watch Shark Tale. <laughs> watch Shark Tale and then watch Killers of the Flower Moon directly what after. What streaming service? I'm going to do a public service and I'm going to go check and see what streaming service that Shark Tale is on so that people don't have to Google it if they're listening to this and for some reason really want to take your advice. According to Letterboxd, Shark Tale is streaming on Amazon. Let's go. And, and it might only be for purchase on Amazon. So if it's not available on there, go to like movies123.tv or whatever the fuck and stream it on there because don't give Amazon money to watch Shark Tale. Yeah. And with that, thank you for listening and have a good night. Wait, good time. We're recording this at night. Have a good time. <laughs>